This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Thank you to our newest sponsor, Keg Shoe Keg Tracking. Learn more about what they do at www.kegshoe.ca. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day to day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to getbrewninja.com and using the code BREWNINJA21. You can really focus on your process and associate it with malt without getting completely bogged down in the COA numbers. Last week on the show, Joe gave us the background on letting your process evaluate malt performance. This week, Joe dives deeper into what to track, what to compare that against, and why. So, um, if I just gave a quick example of how to how to do this, you're really trying to look at the the, the, the purest extract recovery calculation is to to put in the starting pounds of extract and compare it to the pounds of extract collected in the fermenter. And there's a couple subtleties to this. One is you would use your weighed out malt. Extract going in is relatively easy. Your weighed out malt uh, times the extract uh, report on the COA, that gives you your pounds of starting extract. And then the extract collected in the fermenter, you have to be able to get to the fermenting collection before any yeast slurry is added. And what you're looking for is getting the volume and the Play-Doh, and then looking at the extract per unit that's in the tables to get a extract that's recovered um, in the fermenter. And I, I just, uh, just, just a quick example, if you, if you were making a small brew that had 2,400 pounds of malt, and it was 81% fine grind extract, that calculates as you put 2,106 pounds extract into the process and then if you filled your kettle to 50 barrels you collect or or your i shouldn't say filled the kettle let me come back to that if you collected 50 barrels of wort and it was at a 14 play-doh or a 1.057 spg you go to the tables and you find that you collected 1909 pounds of extract and 1909 divided by 2106 90 0.5 
0.6% yield. And I would guess the large brewers, and this may not be applicable in every piece of equipment, the large brewers tend to operate between 88 and 92, 93% yield on this basis. Uh, and if you, it's it's hard to get that number though. What's collected uh, before the yeast slurry is added? And if you wanted to take a shortcut, if you would take your hot wort receiver, that volume that you've collected in there before you cool it and put yeast in it, take that number and factor it by ninety six percent, and that's the expansion contraction factor for wort, whether it's boiling or whether it's cold in the fermenter. That's probably an adequate number, and that's a shortcut to getting a collected number. Get that Play-Doh, that hot wort Play-Doh and the volume and just factor the volume by 96%. But I want to emphasize that you can do this in altogether different methods. I, um, the important thing is that you do it and, and see the results. Um, I mentioned in my first example um, when I first went to work in the brewery that we um, just looked at, we didn't look at the COA for extract, we just looked at pounds employed versus rec- extract recovery. I had a I had a client that kept saying to me, when I use this malt, I'm 0.008 short. I'm 0.008 short. And it took me a while to understand what he was talking about. He was was using a standard malt bill, filling the kettle to a standard volume, and then checking the gravity of it. And when he changed suppliers, he was not getting the same gravity. What he was saying is, when I use my preferred malt, I fill the kettle. And I get a a specific gravity, a gravity of 1.057. When I use this competitor's malt, I fill the kettle and I do everything the same, standard bolt, fill the kettle the same way, get 1.0562. And that's where you kept saying to me, I'm 0.008 short. I'm 0.008 short. (laughs) So, but the point of that is... Whatever method you use, just apply it consistently. Figure out what works in the brewery for the equipment set, where you can get measurements, how you want to, what's, what's the level of sophistication you want to use. The first example I use is the pure, the pure application of yield, extract in, extract out. But you can do it a lot of other ways. The important thing is choose a method, consistently apply it. Don't get tangled up with fine grind versus coarse grind, as is the fine grind dry basis is the purest form of what is the maximum extract available and just keep measuring against that standard now the important thing is then what you use that extract for so now i'm saying the next thing you should do is take that yield you're going to calculate on every batch and track it against beta glucan that's on the coa and you can do this either with a simple spreadsheet listing or use Excel, put in the columns and numbers and let it create a chart for you with, say, the batches across the horizontal, the bottom. You don't have to have any anything other than the batch identifier. And maybe the left-hand axis be Brewhouse Yield and the right-hand axis be Beta-Glucan. And plug those numbers in. And what you're looking for is in your process on your equipment, what is the beta-glucan level that provides you the highest brew house yield? And you're looking for the breakpoint beta-glucan that's the breakpoint between the yield you consider acceptable and the yield you consider unacceptable. And I, I spent a lot of, and I focus on beta-glucan because in simplest terms, I look at beta-glucan as the glue that holds extract together. It's the last modification step needed in the malt house and the beta-glucan has to be reduced to turn the extract loose and make the malt functional. So I think it's really important to, to, to use that as the key indicator. 
So we're talking about now not what is the right theoretical beta-glucan that should be um, on a malt analysis or what is the target that all maltsters should use to find this one correct number uh, that we talk about at the forum for what does malt analysis mean. Now we're talking about in your brewery, in your recipe, on your piece of equipment, what is the beta-glucan that works? What is the number that you have to make sure you buy malt against that gives you the best values? And where's that break point when you start getting poor values? So I think, it's a, I th- I think that's an important comparison. The second comparison is you got the beta-glucan. You want to track it against louder performance. I had said that, that brewing extract recovery is an important measure of functionality. Smooth loudering is an important measure of functionality also. Now, you can use any indicator that's important to you, however you measure your louder performance. Some people focus on runoff times. Some people focus on how they use their rakes, how many cuts they have to make, how many deep cuts they have to make, how many underlets you have to make. Use any indicator that makes sense to you. Um, What is your smooth loudering key functionality measure? So now you take that and you plot that against beta-glucan the same way. Let Excel create a chart. Put the, put the columns and numbers down there for the batches, the beta-glucan, and your index. Let's just say, an example, runoff time. You're trying to make a recipe. It should have um, you know, a 90-minute runoff time. Well, you go ahead and chart. What is the, what is the runoff time based uh, compared against beta-glucan? What you're looking for the beta-glucan level that provides the smoothest louder operations. Now, this level will be different than what gives you the best extract recovery because you can have extract loss without good loudering. Um, I think I've, I've put in some of my presentations in the past. We're well past the beta-glucan level that interferes with loudering in most breweries, and that's up around 200. But what we found is beta-glucans come down and don't interfere with loudering. Then you step into what's the level you have to drive it down to to get good extract uh, recovery. But again, I'd focus on what's important to you at the louder tub. Do you have better quality beers if you make less cuts? Do you have better quality beer if you run off quickly? Uh, whatever your indication of loud, good loudering is, compare that against beta-glucan on the COA and always look for what's the beta-glucan level that gives you the smoothest, louder operation. And, you know, beta-glucan is very closely associated to viscosity and and. Which brewer is involved in, in, in favor of viscosity? As an engineering product pro- a process, uh, viscosity as a, as a concept is resistant to flow. We're trying to get resistant to flow, resistance to flow out of the process. Coming up, more tricks from Jove to let your process evaluate your malt. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, 
be sure to thank them for their generous support. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com MBAA. This episode brought to you by BSG and RAR Malting Company, the home of fossil-free malt. RAR's headquarters in Shakopee, Minnesota is powered by renewable electricity. Malt houses and kilns are fed by an electrostatic boiler fueled by agricultural byproducts, much of which is waste from the malting process. By eliminating the use of natural gas, RAR Malting Company reduces CO2 emissions by 260,000 tons per year, while filling 25% of the U.S. brewing industry's malt needs. Put the power of RAR Malt in your beer at go.bsgcraft.com slash contact us. Are you looking to improve yield, quality, and sustainability in your cellar? Alpha Laval has over 60 years of brewing experience, offering centrifuges, dealkalization systems, yeast plants, and complete cold block cellar projects designed for the most gentle and efficient treatment of your beer, cider, hard seltzer, or other beverages. Let the leaders in brewing innovation help you meet your greatest production and sustainability goals. Visit alphalaval.us/mbaa to learn more. Thank you to Brewing with Enzymes by Novazymes. For commercial brewers, enzymes can ease filtration, eliminate diacetyl rest, meet attenuation targets, and optimize your raw materials to save on labor. If you're curious to learn more, head over to brewingwithenzymes.com and get 50% off with your first order using discount code MBAA. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. Another Master Brewers webinar, this one on the topic of funding opportunities for brewing research, April 14th. Don't miss the Building a Welcoming Workplace webinar, April 19th. District Northwest meets May 20th and 21st in beautiful Hood River. Lab on the Cheap, another Master Brewers webinar, June 8th. I can highly recommend the Master Brewers Brewery Maintenance Systems course, which starts July 8th in Madison, Wisconsin. The 2022 Brewing Summit, that's the combined meeting with Master Brewers and ASBC, is August 14th through the 16th in Rhode Island. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Then one other thing that's interesting that you want to track is your attenuation versus beta-glucan. And you say, boy, I don't understand this. Why would Joe say that? Um, And I think it's something that brewers don't think enough about. Because you should look at what beta-glucan level provides the highest repeatable attenuation. And why should you do that? It has nothing to do with enzymes. What happens is there's such a surplus of enzyme, repeatable attenuation now is based on the modification and conditioning of the extract. If if you have um, a higher beta-glucan level that won't allow extract release, 
just think about that's the that's the wart that then is being presented to the enzymes. And the more complicated it is, the less that it is modified, it's going to be harder for the enzymes to access it. And um, in this case, it's important that the extract is free-flowing for enzyme access. And I think you can see this, um, attenuation variations that are associated with not um, modific- not well-modified malt. So I've been focusing on beta-glucan because, again, it's the best indicator of comprehensive modification. It's the last modification function in the malt plant. Now, now Joe, obviously, a, yes. obviously the, uh, you, you have to assume there, though, that the brewer has very good yeast management and that they're always pitching the same number of cells with consistent viability and all that if you're going to try to use attenuation as a, as, a, as, a me- as a measuring stick here, right? Well... You know, I'd, I'd, I'd qualify that, John, by, by saying that it depends on the fermentation processes that the, the brewer wants to use. Okay. I, I, I follow on some basic training, which taught me years ago, that you can't stop yeast from fermenting a wort, a, the wort extract that's fermentable. You can't stop it from fermenting fermentables, and you can't cause it to ferment non-fermentables. So I guess I'm thinking in the world of attenuation to end is um, that that this would that that you'd have to correct when you're not getting the attenuation you want. You have to correct that in the in the brew house. Okay. Now I understand though. I understand there's some process that people like to interrupt um, attenuation with maybe a cross croisoning or a quick cooling because they want to raise their yeast fermentable extract to get more body in the beer. But as a general concept. To me, you can't stop yeast from fermenting things that are fermentable, and you can't ferment things that aren't fermentable. So when you find that endpoint, you have to correct that back in the brew house. In, in, in my world of large-scale uh, brewing, it, it may not be true in every recipe or every desired outcome um, in all the variations we see out there now. Now, I also would say not every malt supplier is reporting beta-glucan. Um, and, you know, malt suppliers in general hate beta-glucan. They hate it as a specification. It's really interesting to talk to them. They don't like it as, they don't want it, the beta-glucan result in your hands as a brewer to make a specification. But if you interact with them and go in the malt house, every single one of them use it as a process control technique. It's a really valuable number to them when controlling their process and achieving functionality. If you get, if 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 a supplier is not reporting beta glucan, friability is a good comprehensive modification indicator. And all those three tracks that I just said against beta glucan, you could create um, that track against the friability result uh, on the malt. It can pinch hit for beta glucan, um, and it may be important going forward because more and more craft brewers. They can provide friability. They might not be able to pri- provide a beta-glucan result for you, but 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 uh, friability can pinch hit for beta-glucan. There's another value to friability. If you want to go out in the world and just worry about your process and what you think about malt and self-evaluation of malt, is using friability opens the possibility of totally taking the supplier reporting out of the process. Um, you can just have your own friability meter. I, I think they're roughly an eight thousand dollar instrument. Um, you have to know. You have to learn how to use it. You have to take care of it. It has some wearable parts. It has some uh, standard malt to run through it. So you have to. It, it's a lab instrument. And you have to treat it as such. But if you wanted to be skeptical of um, 
malt analysis, you could get your own friability meter, run a friability on every individual batch of malt that's going to go through your process and do your process tracking on your own malt analysis. And I think there's some uh, uh, craft brewers of a certain size that, that do that. And I guess at this point, I would say I'd be very skeptical about purchasing malt that would not, did not have a beta-glucan or a friability associated with it. Okay. Joe, we, we talked about um, S over T being one of the more important COA parameters back on episode 17. Do you recommend tracking that versus performance as well? Oh, that's a, I, I'm glad you asked that, John, because that's, really, that's a really good question. Yes, S over T is critical to modification, and it's critical to reduce the uh, protein structure in the cell wall to get the beta-glucan reduced. The problem is that S over T has a varietal component. Uh, it's almost a genetic balance of modification um, S over T to beta-glucan, and S over T profiles out by variety. Now, if you really had a strong identity on the varieties that were in your blend, um, the, you could you could think about using the S over T. But but for example, if you're if you're a brewer that uses a um, a classic Czech Bojos or the newer um, German Winter Scala, which seems to be a very good uh, variety. Um, those those have complete and good modification at 38% S over T. But if you were looking at a variety, it's a Canadian variety that came up and now sort of has lost favor, uh, the variety Meredith. Everybody thought it was going to be a replacement for Metcalf because it had such high yields. Um, that requires almost a 50% S over T. So the range between 38 and 50% is really big, and you have to understand the variety that you have. And the problem is most two-row pale malts that end up to craft brewers are blends. They're not pure, um, they're not pure varietals, and it's very difficult. Uh, so I'd, I'd, I'd be skeptical of uh, be skeptical of just plugging in S over T to any of those comparisons without a known pure variety or varietal mix but you're correct it's a really important um it's a really important uh, factor for modification you know I'll, I'll say one other thing too about uh about brewers because uh, i've fallen into the same trap um myself sometimes as brewers we do have to consider the possibility that it's not the malt i know that's hard <laughs> i know that's hard but we have to consider that now one of the uh, one of the benefits of this tracking is you get enough history build up you can start to identify non-malt sources of loss of functionality because if you establish for your process and recipe what's a good beta glucan then if you have a, for, a poor functionality result on yield or loudering that's running with a past proven good beta-glucan, then you shouldn't say, I wonder if that COA is correct. You should immediately look for non-malt sources of functionality loss because that can come from excessive malt breakage, chaff buildup in the bottom of silos, um, irregularities on the mill. Um, scale meter calibrations. You lost some wart, and all of a sudden, your 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 loudering is way off. So, uh, an interesting an interesting corollary to 
what is your best beta-glucan to get yield is it's a quick identifier of something else is going on in your process that might not be the malt. If all of a sudden it goes out of, it goes out of, out of kilter. Well, John, I've taken a lot of time here today. Let me wrap up by just saying the key takeaway here is establishing malt performance. When I'm talking to a brewer, establishing malt performance on your specific recipe, your specific process, your specific equipment, and 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 success then determined by your performance criteria, not the theoretical good values on a malt COA. And then the engagement with your malt supplier becomes the malt does not work for me in my brewery. It's not a debate about COA numbers. It's not about sampling procedures, or it's not that endless, that endless circular discussion about in-house variant, in between, in-lab variants, and between-lab variances. Uh, I, I get asked a lot um, by uh, by brewers, where can I send my malt for analysis to see if the COA is correct? And I tell them you shouldn't do that for two reasons. One is you will you will not you will end up in this endless discussion about where did you take the sample how how uh, how long was the sample exposed to moisture um where uh, what's the lab that is done in and and invariably what you'll find out is within the between lab variances the coas will have the coa and the confirming coa will probably have all the same numbers factored by what is the in be, the between lab variances and and you haven't improved your knowledge of your process so i'm saying don't send it any place don't go through that endless discussion with a maltster about it focus on your process your recipe and how can you make this malt how can you evaluate this malt um in your process because that's all that's important to you and make sure Uh, that you have evaluated it and that you've also taken a good look in the mirror before you play them this small does not work for me card right exactly exactly because you know you're going to you're going to engage here's what i tell brewers you're going to engage with a monster who is expert in making malt and malt analysis techniques and you're way out of your depth in trying to and trying to argue his area of expertise. But that doesn't mean you're at a disadvantage. You are an expert on your beer and your process. There is no answer from him that's satisfactory if you tell him this malt does not work. That's got to bring him to action um, because now you're on your turf. Now you're on your area of expertise, your beer and your process. Um, You're not going to win on his area of expertise and a turf so keep it on your turf i use this malt this is the way it reacts in my process this doesn't work for me in my process um and then you either move on or you you say or he tells you um i have some other ideas that i'm going to send you some more malt to test so i i I think it works that i think it works well that way and i i just again um uh, you don't want to you don't want to end up in a long circular discussion about sampling and lab analysis and and instrument variations and technician variations and between lab variations it's not the best way to spend your time spend your time with your process and your beer that was recent recipient of the master brewers distinguished life service award joe hertrick here 
on the Master Brewers Podcast. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers Podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.